Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, good morning, Gateway. Hope everybody's doing good. I forgot to put part of my outfit on today. You probably are wondering, that's right, underneath it all, I am superhuman. <laughs> As uh, this morning started, and I got a chance to uh, share about uh, this morning and what I was going to share, the guys were praying for me, and I walked in, and Riley Futiker was there, and he's one of the guys that prays for me, and he, I walked in, and I looked like this, and he goes, what are you wearing? And I said, I'm Clark Kent. He goes, oh, I get it. I mean, it's like, come on, man. It's, it's a simple thing. I want to do a quick thing with uh, the men in the room that are fathers. So if you are a dad or a father, I'd love for you just to stand up right now. Go ahead, stand up. Got some dads in the room. Very good. Now, if you as a person who are standing up play the role also as grandfather remain standing because we're going to keep going up so if you are a grandfather in the room if you are a great grandfather do we have any Thank you, gentlemen. Y'all can sit down. That, that, is, that is what we call legacy, people. We call it legacy because those are the men that have chosen not just as dads, but as grandfathers, but as great-grandfathers to continue to come to church, to show family the importance, the need to be in this place, to worship God together. So thank you, men who stood up in that moment. Well, I got to tell you, uh, as I was praying with the men this morning, I began to share what I was going to talk about today. And I didn't even get into what I really wanted to say before I started just reading a passage of scripture to them as to what was the key passage. And I started losing it. I began to weep. So I'm going to ask of each and every one of you to be praying as I give this message today because I'm going to do a message on fathers. Uh, and it's, a, it's an important message uh, for us to hear. But it's also, for many of us, it can be an emotional thing to talk about. So if I lose it up here, if I start crying, just do me a favor. I was told this morning that at Lakewood, when Joel Osteen starts crying, they give him a moment and then they start applauding for him. I don't applaud my tears, okay? Whatever you do, that's not necessary. But maybe give me a moment. And, and normally I kind of read over to the side, so I'm gonna pull this over today because I'm not so sure that I can do this without staying close to the notes because it could get really bad. Did you bring that bucket up for me? Because they're going to fall right here. 
I stand before you today, the recipients of one of the greatest gifts anyone can receive in this world. The gift, because of its value, is irreplaceable. Lloyds of London would even say it's priceless. The greatest gift I have ever received in this life outside of the free gift of salvation, a godly wife and four wonderful kids is the gift of a Christian, godly father. Now this part I don't need my notes for. My dad was true at Vivian Lively. He was from a small town near Baytown called Pelly, Texas. Now, I don't know if any of you know about Pelly, but I thought it never existed until recently somebody posted a YouTube video on Facebook, and it was a look at the life of Pelly, Texas in the 50s. And I was like, wow, it really does <laughs> exist. Uh, my dad uh, had a simple but hard life growing up there during the Depression and World War II. My dad learned the value of, my dad learned how hard work was rewarding and he also learned the value of sharing the things you have with others. He was a brilliant student. Side note, somewhere in the gene pool, that got lost for me. Just want to let everybody know that in this room. I did receive, on the other hand, my mother's wit, her charm, and her love for being the last person in the church on Sunday talking to the very last person while the family is waiting for them in the car. I guess what I'm trying to say is I've been truly blessed with an earthly father that I can look up to, remember great things about him, because he was only living his life out in the best possible manner he could to emulate Jesus Christ. My father died January of 2015 uh, after a bout with pneumonia. I went home to be with the Lord. So if you'll indulge me just for a few moments, I'd like to share a few things my dad taught me. And maybe in this time you can reflect on some of the things that your dad taught you. He taught me that first impressions are important. He taught me to respect my elders. He taught me to treat others with kindness. He taught me Proverbs 22, 1. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. He taught me not to judge people based on their circumstances. Because there's always their story to learn. Taught me to praise the Lord in all things because he is worthy to be praised. I told y'all. 
He taught me to help take care of the widows and orphans in this world. My mom was going through some stuff. My mom has just recently moved into an assisted living facility. So she was going through some stuff uh, at the house. And uh, I'd gotten a Facebook message uh, a couple of months ago, maybe a year or so ago, from this girl. And she asked me if I was Truett Lively's son. I said, yes, I was. And she said, I was hoping to get in touch with him. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but he's, already, he's passed away. And she began to tell me her story. Simple story is this, her mom was uh, a budding artist, was trying to make money, was trying to live uh, in this life and take care of a, a daughter. And my dad, uh, he set up a gallery in his law office for this woman to sell her artwork. And uh, we always had this one lady's name in our home and these paintings all around our house. And I come to realize after finding out that my dad was the one that was buying all of her artwork. And he was doing it because he was taking care of a widow. And it doesn't seem like a big thing, but when you hear that story as a child, you realize the importance of what does it mean to take care of those that need to be taken care of. And that girl, her life was changed because a guy decided to let some lady sell her artwork in his office and it transformed her heart as an adult. It's a great story. Wish I could tell you more about it. He taught me that money could go away as quickly as it comes. He taught me to be a good steward of the money that is entrusted to you. He taught me how to be loyal and defend those who can't defend themselves. He taught me there are people He taught me there are people who are called to go into the mission field. And there are those who are called to make money, to send people into the mission field. So by the way, we're low on camp scholarship money um, this summer. So if that's you and you make money and you don't want to go in the mission field, we certainly could use some camp scholarship this morning. That was just on a sidebar note for you. Um, oh, and he also taught me not to be afraid to ask. He taught me how to spell Chicago. You can have this one, Bill Walker. Chicken in the car and the car won't go. That's the way you spell Chicago. That's for you. He taught me how to be a sportsman and how to be a gracious loser. And on the rare occasion, how to be a humble winner. He taught me how to be a sportsman and how to be a gracious loser. And on the rare occasion, how to be a humble winner. Okay, you got it now, all right. Never to think you're the best at something because someone is always better than you. He taught me that in leadership, give credit to others for your successes because they are the ones who helped you achieve your success. He taught me how to use humor to diffuse stressful situations. He taught me how to play the game of golf and the life lessons that come with it. He taught me to ask questions when you don't understand things. He taught me how to love others as Christ loves them. 
And he taught me most importantly how important a relationship with Jesus Christ is in this life. All of these life lessons, all of these small little things that are things that he taught me. If I had the time to do. I could take you to passages of scripture to explain to you the, the desire of my father's heart to share these simple truths. Because everything was based in scripture. And this is a verse of scripture that describes all of these things that I've just shared with you. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. amazing five or six verses in the Bible can sum up a man's life. But when I think about him and I think about the lessons that he taught me, I can look at Colossians 3:12 through 17 and remember the man that my father was and he taught me to be. So with that being said, my dad was certainly not a perfect man, but he was made perfect by believing that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was for his salvation's sake. And the best thing that he could do was to share that with the people that he encountered. We all come in here today with what a dad looks like or should be through our own experiences. Sometimes those experiences are good and sometimes those experiences are bad. And I know many of you in here today don't have the same feeling about your dad that I do. And I wish for you that you did. That for some of you today is hard because your relationship with your father is rough. For you today, your today is hard because your father has passed away. Your relationship is tense or had been tense and has been strained by some event or a lifetime events. Some of you are in here are living with guilt that you messed something up and you can't get that relationship back. If you're here today and that is you, then you must decide how you will respond to your feelings and change 
for the future. So the image you have of an earthly father becomes more like our heavenly father. If you go back, for those of you that are struggling in that relationship, go back to Colossians 3.13 and it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. My hope for you, those that are struggling in that relationship, that today will be a day that you can focus your minds and your hearts on the song that we sang about our Heavenly Father, that He is a good, good Father. So in this message, I have a message for the dads in this room. So let me share some thoughts from Scripture. There are two verses that Paul writes that are similar, yet they are slightly different, but they complement one another to help us understand how to parent our children. The first is Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Or as Peterson writes in the message, do not come down too hard on them or you will crush their spirits. The second is Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, these verses work hand in hand because they show us the why and or the how to in parenting. Being a father is hard work and it takes skill. It takes skill to parent each and every child that you have because they are created unique and special and wonderful. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God's made each and every one of these children that we are given the opportunity to parent unique and it's up to us as fathers to discover that uniqueness and nurture it to its fullest potential and not exasperate it or crush them in their spirits. I can tell this story in this hour because my family's not here. This has to do with my two oldest sons. So, Every child is different if you have multiple kids in your home. It's no different for the lively family. My son Austin is 18 and he is a, he's a box liver. He lives in a box and things have to be in order and they are perfect that way. And when we were living, uh, we were living in Georgia at the time and we had a basement and Austin went down and we had all these toys and a lot of them were Monsters Inc and had some army men and some other things that were all there and there were different color coded to different things and there was dinosaurs and all sorts of things. We had this little Thomas the Train table. Remember what I'm talking about? 
So we had a little. So I walked down and just like, where's Austin? And it's like, well, I think he's been down in the basement for a while. So I go down to the basement and there on Thomas's, Thomas the Train table are all of these army men, all of these dinosaurs, all of these monsters, Inc. in rows, in perfect colors, in perfect sizes and shapes, and they were perfect. I mean, perfect. Luckily, I got a picture of this table because Jared, my child who doesn't live in a box, after Austin had put all this time in, Jared went down to go look at the table. He looked at the table and he goes, oh, that's neat. How do you praise the creativity in a child's heart that treats his brother that way? <laughs> Children are little people versions of who they will become. Because children are sinful creatures, just like you and I, sometimes we see our children's choices and responses to our parenting as just pure outright rebellion. When in reality, they are doing what they have been created to do, which is to rebel. It is our sin nature at work that we are rebellious in our hearts. John Stott says, wise parenting recognizes that not all the non-conforming responses of childhood deserve to be styled as rebellion. Let me read that to you again. Wise parenting recognizes that not all the non-conforming responses of childhood deserve to be styled as rebellion. Take for instance, if you ask your child to go to their room and put on socks, what if that child goes up and puts on a red sock and a blue sock? Is that rebellion? No, you've asked them to do a task, which they have done, but only in their style. If we crush that creativity, then maybe later on they will rebel in a larger way than socks. Stock goes on to say, it is by experiment that children discover both their liberty and the quality of their parents' limits of love. So how are we to respond? How are we to do that, dads? How are we to... Grow our children up. Proverbs 22, 6 says this. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. We are to nourish our children over a lifetime. That is the good news, and it is the bad news. The good news is that we get a lifetime. The bad news is that it has to sometimes take a lifetime. You never stop being a dad. God makes everything beautiful in his time. We may not see the fruits of our labor in our lifetime, but hopefully that lost son or daughter will return to the Lord or respond to the Lord in a personal way. So the fruits of our labor will not be in vain. Maybe the Lord is trying to work on you to trust him and to not to rely on your own strength. 
In light of this passage, I want to say to the dads in the room that uh, have a child or uh, a student that is involved with children's ministry or youth ministry here, I want you to know that here at Gateway, we're here to help assist you. We're here to help walk alongside you in this mission of growing up godly children. It's what we're called to do. And hopefully we can give good resources and words of advice. But you are the primary source of spiritual guidance. Roland and I talk about this all the time. We only get students, children, maximum four hours a week. We hope that we're influencing them in a godly way. But that means that you, as a parent, a spiritual guiding parent, have them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they're going to be looking to you for spiritual guidance and not Roland or I or other leaders. We're given the responsibility to share the gospel of Christ to our children on a daily basis. Why? Because the influence of this world can easily take over a child's heart and mind if we are not constantly challenging our children to know God more. Alistair Begg says, parental authority quickly loses out to the power of a rebellious heart. You see, when we're guiding our children, they have the opportunity to listen, to obey, to do as we ask. But we have a world that will influence them in a way in which will cause them to think twice about maybe an instruction that you're giving. And it doesn't take long for that parental authority to lose out to the power of a rebellious heart. So as I end this time, I have just a, a few final thoughts. To the, young, to the young children's dads that are in the room, tiny children's minds are like moist clay. They are very impressionable. You can never start too soon sharing and teaching Bible stories and biblical principles for living. Second thought is our children are prone to sin. When we hear all the accolades from the world coming to us about how great Johnny is or how sweet Sally is, remember their hearts can be set on fire by sin in the snap of a finger. Don't get caught up in all the things that people are telling and great things about your child. Because ultimately in life, they can still make choices in the snap of a finger that don't represent that. We are responsible to teach them the way of God. So even if we train them up and they reject the ways of God, we must pray that they will return or respond to the gospel. 
Number three, we can't allow our kids to do something and not be punished for it somehow. How you do that is up to you, but a recognition of something that has gone wrong needs to be corrected. The story of Eli and his sons in 1 Samuel 2 shows what can happen when a father does nothing, when his sons are wicked and are not punished for their sinful behavior. I don't have a passage of scripture there, but if you want to look up that story of Eli and his sons, Phineas and Hophnius, you go right ahead. One, I didn't want to have to say either one of those names, but I did it anyways. And lastly, train them in the Bible. Lead them in prayer. I don't have this in the nose, but I want to share this with you about prayer. I want y'all to each one of you to understand this in this room. There is nothing too small to pray for. Y'all hear me? There's nothing too small in this life to pray for. By teaching our children about prayer and when the small things take place, they see God at work. A quick story on that is that my father had a nice watch. He came to visit us. The watch was missing. He thought that he had lost it on the airplane looked for it for three months, kept looking for this watch. So I said, well, well, actually he said, and my mom said, well, let's just pray that God would bring it back to us. So we prayed on the phone. Been gone for three months. My dad was about to call the airlines and make arrangements to um, make a claim. We prayed on the phone. I went back to the room that they stayed in. We had looked behind, we had looked behind the chest of drawers that they had put their clothes on, looked back down there underneath on the ground. There's nothing there. I just happened to look over and I saw something hanging off of the doily. Little doily on top of the chest of drawers. The watch had fallen off the back and had caught on the doily. A simple prayer to teach your children that God listens. Show them that the church matters. The community of God can and should become a place of refuge for them in good and in bad times. Ultimately, it is our responsibility to teach them and train them in the way in which they should go. Matthew 16, 26 says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Gentlemen in this room, it is our responsibility to recognize that church and the things of God matter more than the things of this world. Fathers, stepfathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, uncles and whoever else might be in a position to train up a child in the ways of the Lord, don't lose sight of this incredible responsibility to lead and teach your children so that in their old age, they will not depart from the faith 
of Jesus Christ. Father, come before you right now, humbled by Colossians 3, 12 through 17, full well knowing as a father, I don't do all that is in there. So Father, for myself, Lord, I just pray that you would convict my heart. Lord, I just pray that you would break my spirit, my willful, sinful, rebellious spirit and trust you in all things. Lord, I thank you for the dads that are in this room that have an opportunity to influence their children. Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us that have that responsibility would train up our children in the way that they should go so that in their old age, they will not fall away and they will come back to you. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for being a good, good father. Teach us how to trust you. Teach us how to train up our children in the way that they should go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.